Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is, <laughs> does my hair look okay? It's my name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Just rolling late this week. I apologize, man. I um uh, been a busy, busy, busy week for Blood Origins. Um, a little, a little background behind the scenes of what's happening with Blood Origins this week. Um, as everyone knows, we are a non-profit. We are a charity. And Cody just disappeared on me. Um, but uh, we, as a non-profit charity, have to have a board meeting on an annual basis. And this week we had our board meeting. And I guess the job of me as, as the executive director of Blood Origins is to make sure that the board is happy and the board wants to make sure that they're pushing us as, as hard as we possibly can in doing what we do. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, I think the board is happy. Cody? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, you know, a lot of good things happening. We had... Uh... I think like probably any group of people that work in any organization, we had a few things that we had to explain about. We have some things we want to do better. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, la-la land perfect, unicorns and rainbows. <laughs> but 
No, it's been a it's been a great year, and what I would consider kind of like our uh, I would call twenty twenty two our first real year with an actual plan. Is that right? Is that fair? Well, yeah, we, that's fair. We were a little bit more structured. In twenty in twenty twenty one, it was basically you and I saying, "Hey, let's go do this," and. Quite honestly, a lot of times we didn't tell anybody else about it. So if we didn't get it done the way we wanted to, it was just you and I mad at each other. 2022 was right. the first year we went to our board and said, hey, here's a plan of what we want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just honesty and transparency. Some of it we didn't get it done and some of it we didn't get done as well as we wanted to. But then a whole lot of things went great too so I, I i think it was a great year of accomplishing things and a, maybe an even better year of learning things so definitely yeah, and bigger point. and better things for 2023 right we just continue to strive to get better to grow to make our content more relevant make our content more engageable make you know raise more money potentially uh to do bigger projects around the world increase our global fingerprint we've got some really cool global projects that we're interested in doing obviously we want to do another american-based grassroots fundraising effort in america if anyone's listening to this and you have some ideas of uh, what that wants to look like reach out to us dm us text us at text us at 620-860-4804 or you can email us at info at bloodorigins.com. There we go. And we're always interested in hearing about good projects. Uh, we've got some good ideas. We've got some good leads uh, for American projects. And as I said, we've got some, some global projects. We've got th- actually uh, three global conservation projects that we're going to undertake in 2023. And then some documentaries that uh, we've already raised the money for that will be uh, released in 23 as well as being filmed in 23. Yeah, always cool stuff on the horizon, um, as well as cool stuff happening now. It's too. It's we're, we're doing this roundup too early in the day for us to be um, drinking. Drinking. Mm. I'm not so sure. I got a kid throwing up <laughs> in the house, and uh, is the stomach bug in your house? We've had both of the kids threw up. We're done. Thank the Lord. Thank we just Lord. had it just showed up out of nowhere today. Like last night, he was not sick at all. Um, and then this morning, um, yeah, said he had a, said his throat bothered him and kind of didn't seem sick when he said that. So we kind of, you know, I don't know, maybe it was just bad parenting, but we're like, okay, here's a throat lozenge because I think you know we weren't. I wouldn't say we were doubting his sickness, I would say we just weren't convinced quite yet, you know, that he wasn't just groggy <laughs> from the wake up. Um, and then he was laying on the uh, couch and his stomach decided to prove to us that he was actually sick. So oh, he didn't even, he couldn't even make it to the toilet. He was asleep when it like, so, Oof. and had been asleep for like an hour and uh, he's a phenomenal kid, but he's not a great waker upper. Like, you know, mm. it's kind of a little rough on the get up. So I, 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 yeah, no, he started and then just sat there and looked at mm. me while it was happening. And I, while I consider myself to be, um, 
a fairly mentally tough person, not anything exceptional, but, you know, I kind of am able to fight through most things to get a job done. People throwing up um, is my kryptonite. It's my kryptonite. (laughs) It is. And I always, I will say this, through raising my own kids who are now 25 and 23, you know, and, and then now, and now Avery's boys, there's a, I mean, I've been around a fair amount of child children throwing up just like, mm-hmm. not like average, right? Like not, but it's happened. Um, I fight through, but I have to look like such a freaking, I just, I'm gagging and hacking the entire time fighting back <laughs> myself throwing up. I cleaned the mess up. Avery was on a work call. So I'm dragging him off the couch Right or wrong, it's a leather couch. So I decided that I would rather have it on the carpet or the wood floors than on the leather couch. <laughs> so I kind of drag him off the couch um, and fight through it, hacking and gagging like a like a weenie the entire time. But I got it taken care of. That's so too anyway, funny. I think I think one what, of the funniest things that I I love to see, other, and I don't know, maybe not in real life, but the whole like whenever a jackass was at its like height. Um, or just any show where like people are puking, whether it's because of debauchery or because they ate something or something, I find that exceptionally hilarious. That um, I don't think you should have said that out loud on a recorded venue. Um, <laughs> I think it's weird. I don't like it at all. Um, that and people breaking bones, like uh. I have a friend that likes to, because he knows that it bothers me, likes to send me Instagram memes of like bad skateboard wrecks. People throwing up and people's bones breaking are two things that give me the heebie. (laughs) I don't understand that as entertainment. But uh, anyway, that was a really long-winded explanation for why I, I don't currently have a drink here in the middle of the day, but I don't think it's too early. No, yeah, for sure. Um I'm gearing up to head to South Africa um, and Zimbabwe. And the only reason I say that is I have an alarm that just popped up on my phone that said malaria prophylactics. Need to get me my malaria prophylactics because we're going to be going into some hot areas. No electricity, no water, no running water either. So I got probably into my late 30s, maybe early 40s, before I learned that prophylactics was not just condoms condoms like <laughs> like i mean i just thought that's what it was it, no, oh. the, the word means like preventative or barrier or something correct right? correct right. correct yeah yeah i mean and hey, I, it's, it's been audience is learning enough, it's been recent enough that i just about questioned you right there and then i was like no no i did learn that that's not just condoms the audience is learning a little bit about both of us today. Yeah. yeah text you, messages. We got some great text messages. Tanner from Utah, who, apologies, uh, I'm going to be honest. This is a great text that I can't remember if we already covered, but if we did, it's worth talking about again. And it is from a week over a week ago. So, But Tanner responded to the Utah thing. Um, you know, Utah kind of did some pretty uh, hefty changes to their elk season. 
Um, mm-hmm. and Tanner sent a great response to that um, and talked about some things that I hadn't really recognized, that the limited entry elk got reduced from seven to five days. Um, and, you know, he's not a fan of a shorter window. I, I would agree with that unless there's a reason behind it that we don't know yet. The general season elk, the general season elk was split into two seven day segments. Um, it's uh, he, he, he's saying there'll be more pressure on the elk because the second segment is an unlimited license segment. Um, kind of not, not completely sure, but Tanner took the time to type out a great response. And I think it's worth noting. Um, he also responded to the Calvin Carter episode. Oh, Calvin Cotta, Cotta, oh, family, yeah, yeah. the the Cottas. Spell that, because your accent. C O T T A R, Cotta. Oh, I've been saying it wrong. Apologies to the Cotter family. Um, very steeped Cotta family in Kenya from way back in you know early eighteen late eighteen hundreds. Yeah, I listened to the episode, but uh, the accents also. I thought you were saying C-A-R-T-E-R. So anyway, apologies on mm. that. Um, found the episode, Tanner found the episode really interesting, said it was a bit of a downer um, with Calvin's kind of, uh, you know, not negative. I guess negative. I guess it doesn't have a super positive outlook in his mind for the long-term life of international hunting. Um, and Tanner has also been asked, he wanted to say that he's also been asked to come to his high school and teach the freshmen about hunting and how it is conservation in Africa. This is a a public school in Utah. So here's the reason I'm spending so much time on Tanner is because when he said that thing at the end, I thought I want to talk more about that. Um, And I invited him to come on the roundup to talk Sweet. about what he's doing, um, talk about our normal roundup stuff. But I also, I want to hear more about how he got invited to a local high school um, to talk about hunting as conservation in Africa. The reason we're going into that now is because I double booked him with someone else and didn't realize <laughs> it was later. So this That's is what a, happens when you don't send calendar invites, Cody. Uh, yeah, I did. I, I sent calendar invites to both people. Um, which wasn't very bright, but anyway, apologies, Tanner. Um, I am excited. I love your texts. You send great uh, and thoughtful texts, so keep them coming. And next week, the roundup will be with Tanner from Utah. Okay, perfect. Um, James from Ohio, who also is we are working on having on because James is kind of in his. Uh, James is the uh, – he killed for the first time this year. Yes, he did. And now he has also sent us text of a successful Colorado public land mule deer hunt, um, which I'm telling you right now. I With know a bow? Where, I know a uh, rifle. That's but, nice. Good. But still, I know where he was at. Um, sent some pictures of some potential wolf tracks. For those of you that know Colorado, um, now know the basic area where James might be and also know that it's not built like Ohio. Um, James, I don't care if James only had to walk a half mile from the truck. 
Um, he burnt some calories moving around up there, sent pictures of the deer, sent pictures of the steak that he cut, cut out and cooked. Um, and he's also doing a DIY Euro mount of his skull that he sent some pictures of. I mean, his, his, his quote is, it did not start smoothly. But kudos <laughs> to you, James, for charging in. Um, well, it and, probably didn't uh, start smoothly when he was trying to pressure wash all the brains out of there. And it probably just went everywhere. I'd also like to note that uh, he said only contact complaint was Cody not being on the last roundup. Um, Damn. So just You've got a fan to- base. little... Uh, fan base there. Uh, absolutely. Now, my favorite text of the week, Marty, who two weeks ago, Marty, um, is Marty, Marty is Marty's last name Bartram? Yes. Marty yes. Bartram just became a phenomenal supporter of Blood Origins. Well, that's the that's the. Let me read this text and quit ruining my surprises. I didn't know that. I'm just it's telepath it's telepathy right here. Well, Marty was also two weeks ago our guest on the roundup. He is the uh, armed forces coordinator for That's right. uh, backcountry hunters and anglers, uh, maybe North Carolina or maybe just for brag something. But um, great conversations with him. Really intelligent guy that had a lot of things um, to say. But um, he's also the guy that just I go back. Let me scroll way up. This is Marty's first ever line text to us. Okay. Which, it's oh no no, no. I you don't have to say Cody, it again. You don't have you to say it again. You are exactly right. Cody, you oh. are exactly right. Anyway, mm. that was a couple weeks ago. But he did send this this week. The episode with Chantrell is one of my favorite podcast episodes ever. Chantrell. Not just not just Blood Origins, but any freaking podcast. He actually said freaking. I paused like I was substituting, but he said freaking Robbie, you were on fire. I think it is undoubtedly the best articulation I've heard on the topics. Chantrell, if you're listening to this, a quick message. Chantel. Chantel. Chantel Graham. Okay, my apologies. It's Marty's fault because I'm reading it how Marty wrote it. Anyway, Chantel, <laughs> Marty put an R in your name. But he also said, thank you for coming to the table with an open mind and actively listening. You are clearly a great human being at the 26 minute mark. There was a point made about most people aren't thinking about choosing the largest older male from a conservation perspective. I think that is accurate to some extent, but that, but because of the work done by organizations like Boone and Crockett, QDMA, NDA, that Mm -hmm. is happening. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I think that's a fair statement. I don't think that, well, I'll tell you from personal experience, I'm going out tomorrow to hunt elk. And I'm going to be looking for a big bull. And my main motivation on that is I'm hiking around at 9,000 feet is not going to be conservation. But it is, mm-hmm. in fact, a byproduct of conservation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's a good point. It's a good and honest and transparent point. He goes on to say really quickly, and because I am now obligated to make all texts the length of novels, which Marty, by the way, Absolutely right. Marty could take the uh, three weeks worth of texting us and print about a 500-page novel. (laughs) This episode prompted me to move some of my money from one organization's to Blood Origins on a reoccurring basis. I challenge every listener listener to chip in what they can, and if we get 100 new... Holy shit. I didn't finish it. 
check this out. If we get a hundred new donators, we can include current donators who up their donation amount by the 30th of November, Marty will double his monthly donation amount. Holy smokes. Marty throwing down a little, I got so excited that he changed. I didn't finish the thing out. He goes on to say happy veterans day and happy birthday to the Marine Corps. Um, so appreciate that Marty coming from an army guy. Um, but yeah, man, that's amazing. If we can add a hundred new donators, if you listen to this, um, Marty's challenge is he'll double his donation. So let's get on it and give it a shot. And Marty, uh, sent that. I have the date that Marty sent that text, uh, last Thursday. Um, and so we'll track it from there. And if we make it, I will round Marty up and make him double his donation. Like he said, he would, he, he yeah, that'd be Marty. great. That'd be great. Yeah. Anybody listening, if you're not a supporter of ours, uh, you know, simple cost of a co- the cost of a cup of coffee a month, three bucks a month is all we ask to start with. Uh, if you want to give more, obviously, Marty gave a lot more than $3 a month. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, you know, you love what we do. You love us being the sort of spear tip of issues around the world. I had a conversation with a, po- a podcast out of Australia and the guy was like, how are you guys so on top of every single issue around the world? You are the guys. I- because there's 50 of us here in the main office keeping track of that's all right. that stuff. That's right. That's right. That's oh, right. And no. 24-7, you know, I, I try to explain. It's like when I wake up in the morning, you're dealing with Europe and Africa because everyone's – it's lunchtime there. And by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, then Australia's waking up and New Zealand's waking up. And obviously all throughout the day, America in its various time zones is, is working through the system. But, um, no, we do that work because we can and we do it because you guys support us. So we also get a lot of support. We a phenomenal job of folks out there assessing a subject or a happening or a current event and sending it to us. Right. I mean, it's not like, it's not like there's not a whole bunch of people making that happen by sending us texts or DMS and Instagram and those kind of things, keeping us up to date on things. The hard part, the hard part, honestly, is we hate, not dealing with the subject but there's literally just not enough hours in the day to touch Mm -hmm. on all of them um Mm -hmm. i also want to i also think this is important to iterate robbie the reason we push this supporters program so hard both of us absolutely despise asking for money um so we got into nonprofit work, which was genius on our parts. But <laughs> the, the reason this supporters program is what you hear about so much is we have turned down, folks. We've turned down fairly serious money from people who want to give enough money to have a say in Blood Origins. And what I mean by that is they don't want to – they're not like – they're on the same train of thought with us. But they want to use Blood Origins to sell their products in their way. Um, and we firmly believe that that corrupts the neutrality and transparency of Blood Origins. And that's why you hear about this supporters program so much is we're trying to keep the wheels turning without taking big checks from people that can then tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. So I, that's, that's why it's a huge part of why I love this organization so much. 
Uh, I didn't get a text because obviously I don't see the text, but I did see a Facebook message come through that was the guy who connected us with Kelvin Cotter, Zarek Kokar, out of Tanzania. He's an ecotourism guide as well. He's always out of Kenya as well. But uh, did you see that where he got into the whole trophy hunting, conservation hunting back and forth? And I hate to say it, um, but halfway through his text, he says, I think Cody may have a point here. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh my god. International backing. I think Cody may have a point here that it may just be best to focus on just using the label Hunter. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And he talked about, like, if you change it to conservation hunting, someone's going to look at it and it's like a, they'll, you know, tongue click, arms crossed, sarcastic laugh, the immediate change of perception about me as the person. Um,. And then he said, my two cents, focus on the name Hunter and then introduce the conservation consequences of that hunting through gentle and truthful conversation. Yeah, gentle, gentle until you don't need to be gentle anymore. It's a, it's a concept that's worth standing up and fighting for. But I, I agree. Um, I just think we're hunters. And, you know, as in your, in your, area in your country in your state in your county if you're doing it the way that the people that get to set the rules have set the rules then you're a hunter and if you're not you're a poacher right i mean it's that's the mm -hmm. that's the delineating thing is i don't need to tell you that i'm a legal i hunt legally mm -hmm. or that i hunt ethically that that's obviously a gray word that can have debate but I'm a hunter and all of us that are doing it and abiding by the rules are hunters. And if you're not, you're a poacher. And those are the only two labels of people that kill wildlife. I think we need. Yep. Yep. 10, four. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, what else? Anything else? That's all I've got. How did your elk uh, hunt go? Elk hunt was amazing. Um, Dee Dee Lancey and Ryan Martin from the, um, you heard it in the last, last week's roundup, uh, they both killed opening morning. Um, I then got to hunt a little bit for the first time in a long time. Um, I then realized two days worth of processing meat back in Tennessee that I totally underestimated how much meat comes off an elk. Right. And I had a new freezer delivered today. Because <laughs> I ran out of space, right? Um, and what the, the, I think the most mind blowing thing to me was when I was dealing with a hindquarter and your typical rump roast on a whitetail is like this little thing, right? It's like perfect. It's you know, it's like this. It's it's, it's six inches. It's by you know six inches by four inches, and the rump roast on an elk was like eighteen by twelve. And I was like, what am I going to do with this? They don't make I a can't stick it in a, that big. You can't put it in a crock pot. Plus, it'll be too much meat. It'll be like, what are we going to do? Eat elk roast for three weeks. Right. You know? So, yeah, the ice cream freezer. We have a little ice cream freezer outside. That was completely converted to a meat freezer and still is right now. <laughs> Lisa was not happy. She was like, oh, what happened to the ice cream freezer? I said, I just ran out of space everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it happens. I, uh, I'm up to three now. 
I, I had two and thought I had two free two independent freezers away from the refrigerator freezer and I thought that I had it worked out well and then my wife came home and had gone to football practice and somehow bought a side of beef at wow at the 11 year old's football practice wow which i'm it's incredible beef bought right is off. it butchered up already um yeah yeah we picked it up from the processor okay um, but that required a trip to home depot that day to to get uh have a place did to you your home there. depot actually have freezers on site they did in july yeah or whenever we bought that side of beef yeah damn here you can't find it. Tennessee, it's like everything's a week. They ne- they don't keep anything on on site anymore. Oh it's a yeah, week well, out. Yeah. It's two weeks out. What not so? I should buy a big freezer. I keep buying little free. Like I now have three mm. like of the little chest freezers. You know, yeah, the little chest freezers, and I probably should just have a big freezer. Freezer, but I got them kind of sorted out by wild game, miscellaneous, and beef. <laughs> It's miscellaneous. Oh, fish, like, ducks. Well, we get on this kick every every once in a while, and then uh, one of the grandmas really is incredible. This is a great thing. Makes a lot of uh, frozen meals. Like she'll make, she'll come out to babysit the kids with my dad and bring coolers of breakfast burritos. Mm. cinnamon rolls all frozen mm. and so we have a, a miscellaneous freezer as well mm. the miscellaneous freezer also has a bunch of game hides have you ever tanned a hide me myself yeah no i tried it twice in my life and failed and now i'm gonna i'm gonna try again i'm gonna try again i've got uh, i got that of- i got that cow elk being tanned yeah that's i want to keep her hide. i want to keep her hide yeah well, I have a bunch of hides that have been professionally done, but I want to, uh, I've, I'm trying to learn the process of it and uh, watching a lot of YouTube videos and then half the YouTube videos conflict with each other on practices. And, and uh... <laughs> You just have, I, what I remember about it is that you just, if you're truly in, into it, when you kill your animals, you have to save all the brains because brain is good tanning material. Yeah, I think brain is very good tanning material. I don't think it's as good as modern tanning products. Um, <laughs> or at least yeah. that's my my very, very limited experience. So I'm going to try it. I got a deer hide, a bear hide, and a, and a couple of fox hides that I'm going to try and tan this winter. It's going to be one of my winter projects. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this week... Um... This week, if you, uh, we've still got, we might as well, I've got some Blood Origins hats. If, if you are in the mood to leave us a review, a podcast review, podcast rating, we did one in October, and uh, I promise we did it all fair and square. Craig Merton's out of Australia, uh, Craig Merton out of Australia won our Blood Origins hat. Uh, but uh, let's, uh, we'll throw another hat in the mix for this month. If you got want to send us a DM about... Uh, leaving us a review, leaving us a rating on podcasts, on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you want to leave us a, a rating and a review. And you can shoot us a DM with that picture. You can send an email to info at bloodorigins.com or you could text it to Cody at 620-860-4804.
Perfect. Perfect. But this whole week, this whole week in terms of podcasts, um, is about going out and getting out and hunting and not waiting. And uh, we've done a little bit of work. We've got a couple of videos still coming at the end of November. Um, all about going out and hunting in Argentina and New Zealand. And we specifically chose those two countries because those are almost the last two countries to come fully out of COVID lockdown. Um, I know Argentina had a good hunting season this year. New Zealand had, I think they came out of not no vac vaccination requirements anymore, no negative COVID tests needed anymore. I think it was like July or August, so super late in their season. I know a couple of people went and hunted, or was it maybe October? It was, it was very late. I know a couple of people went and hunted, uh, but their 2023 season is certainly going to be a, 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 a sort of blockbuster season for them. And so we just wanted to encourage people to go hunt in Argentina and go hunt in New Zealand. And so this week, we've got a bunch of podcasts that are going to sort of just give you the basic information about what it costs, how to get there, um, what can you hunt, how can you hunt them, all the good details just to encourage you to go hunt. Go hunt in Argentina, go hunt in New Zealand. Have you hunted in either of those countries? I have not. Uh, a trip to New Zealand um, was really and truly the only thing that was completely ruined for me by... Uh, covid well you're gonna go with daryl and and um go visit uh sean allison right yes yes that was the plan um little fly fishing little uh a stag hunt um and then to decide from there how much money i was gonna spend but yeah that was on i mean it was on the books and booked um and i don't remember the exact dates but it was literally right when everything was just clamping shut and uh, never, uh, I mean, it's still, it's still a desire, just haven't gotten around to rescheduling it. Yeah, I haven't hunted New Zealand, but I've, I've hunted Argentina, and um, I loved it. And the, well, what we did was we went and hunted, I went with a buddy of mine, and the buddy wanted to hunt stag, I wanted to hunt buffalo. We didn't take our guns with me, us, they had plenty guns there. And uh, we were a little bit more adventurous than most. Normally, you would fly into Buenos Aires, spend the day in Buenos Aires, or spend the night, and then you'd fly out from there to Santa Rosa, which is in La Pampa province, and then they'd come pick you up and take you in. We were like, nah, man, we'll just rent a car, and we'll go. Like, I've experienced some hectic driving in South Africa. You have not experienced anything <laughs> that is Argentina driving. These guys, on a single-lane highway, they've got a very good, uh, um, what, do you got? what do we call it? The, um, the shoulder. They've got great shoulders, really wide shoulders. These guys don't care. They'll start overtaking a truck with four cars behind the truck, and it'll be the fifth car that decides to overtake everyone with oncoming traffic. And they expect the oncoming traffic to move over into the shoulder. Yeah. It was it's, scary. I've been to some places in Asia and South America where uh, chaos is really the only word. I mean, compared to ours. Now, oh, it, does chaos. Seem like, it does seem like they kind of pulled it off, though, right? Like, 
I've never been. Oh, it in looks. Books. I've never looks. been in or seen an accident there. Um, this is. I got this. I got a quick theory on it. I think because there's so few rules and there's so little expectation of the rules keeping you safe, they they actually pay more attention to their driving than we do. Hmm. I, think, I think we've been like lulled into all of these rules are going to make it super safe for us. So I think it's possible we have more wrecks because we paid less attention. If you're not acutely focused, um, like Phuket, Thailand to me, like I was just scared. And I, I at the time oh. was, a, was a 20 year old thought I was invincible Marine and I was scared shitless dry, just riding in a taxi. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was like three lanes on the road, and there were five lanes of traffic. <laughs> right, right, and every and, and no respect for changing lanes was the really scary thing for me because there would just be a car there that they expected to get out of the way of them. Mm-hmm. You know? and and they did. So maybe they got it figured out better than we do, but it's nerve wracking. Yeah, and we were when you hire a vehicle in in these countries. When you hire a vehicle in, you know, it's a very much a European model type vehicle. So we had one of those, you know, tiny little mini type. It wasn't even a mini; it was a Toyota, whatever, with a Venza with like a, you know, little hatchback kind of scenario. So you're, you, and it's manual as well. So you're revving it to the highest, like six thousand, right. trying to overtake a truck, right. but. We went, I'll tell you this. So we did not, the roar, the, the stag roar in Argentina is in April, May, right? That is it. That's where pretty much they make all of their money is in that two-month span because everyone wants to be there. It's like the elk rut, essentially. But you're seeing 100 stags a day kind of scenario. We went in the middle of winter. So we went at the end of July. And they hadn't had a single hunter in camp for six weeks. And we were the first two hunters to show up. And it was awesome. It was like South Africa. Like you've experienced South Africa. It was South African winter. It felt like South Africa. The sand roads were like South Africa. Um, The little ponds were frozen. Little windmills pumping water had all these frozen bits to it. Um, The buffalo hunt was amazing. Like we were driving through the pastures, just like it's just like you would be in South Africa. We saw a bunch of buffalo. One buffalo decided to charge the vehicle, and as we were driving along, we we went past this one paddock. There was a couple of buffalo in it, and as we, the the guide looked over and he started kept driving. Then he turned around to me once we had gone a little bit further. He goes, "Hey, that was your buffalo. We're gonna go back and kill that buffalo." I was like, "Oh shit, here we go." You know, get out of the vehicle, and I wanted to use a four sixteen Rigby open sights and they had a 416 rigby there and brant pettis who's uh, a lawyer with bolch and bingham who uh, is helps us from a legal perspective with blood origins um it was almost like go time and the guy was like put all the bullets that you have as many in the magazine put one up and put two or three in your pocket and brant's like what the fuck's about to happen here <laughs> And it was crazy, man. Like, we were just walking, stalking back, stalking back, stalking back. And I can remember seeing a buffalo off to the left. I was like, oh, okay, that's a buffalo. That's a buffalo. And the guide's in front of me. You know, you're walking right behind him, single file. Brant's the, like, videographer. uh, Or the photographer. And I look, and I'm like, all right, there's the buffalo. And then the guide stops. 
and he puts his hand behind his back and he almost like waves you to the side, like come to the side right now. I was like, why is he moving me to this side? As I passed his shoulder, I was like, oh, there's my buffalo. And it was literally, it was 63 yards in front of us. Or was it 53? 53 or 63. And he was like, shoot it in the shoulder right now. <laughs> I was like, okay. And this and is, a, we, this is a, a water buffalo, right? This is an Asiatic water buffalo. Yeah. The same buffalo yeah. that are in Australia as well as, as I mean, obviously originated in Asia. Same buffalo? Same, same genus and species, yes. But they obviously have evolved different horn structures. Um, the, the Argentina buffalo, like their horns curl up. They're really wide. They've got the same ridging as the Australian buffalo, but they just, they curl up instead of going out and round that the, like the Australian buffalo do. Um, and then you've got like a hybrid down there also. If you want to go, you can hunt these buffalo on the Bolivian-Brazil Brazil line in the Pantanal, in the swamp there. And those buffalo is almost like a hybrid between the curl and the Australian. They're pretty weird. Um, but yeah, I cracked that through the, through the shoulder. It dropped two or three more insurance shot and it was over. And I was like, this is incredible. And I couldn't even like... When they had the head off, I struggled to put the head in the back of the truck. Right. Yeah. It's a, that's a, uh, you know, D Daryl shot a, uh, a buffalo in South Africa this, uh, couple of months ago when we were there. And I have this great picture of the two of us holding the head. And you know, like I know how big they are. Mm -hmm. Same thing happened to me with the first, uh, dead mountain lion that i was involved in this last january um i know how big they are i've seen them before i've seen them in zoos mountain lions and cape buffalo but actually holding one that was that was wild moments before is uh it's a it's an awe-inspiring thing dude now the asiatic water buffalo have the same uh same reputation for temper that a cape not not does. like a cape buffalo, no, not like a cape buffalo. But they're still going to do their job, right? They know you're there. You don't do your job in killing it. It's going to get pissed off and come and do its job scenario, you know? Yeah. So we had a great hunt. Brand killed a phenomenal uh, red stag. Um, and I think the best part, we went with... Um, Casa Pampa. Casa Pampa was our outfitter, and uh, the food was amazing. You know, we had a, a day of dove hunting, pigeon shooting, parakeet shooting. We ate steaks on the fire out in the field, red wine. Um, I loved it. I'd love to go back and, and kill a stag. I didn't kill a stag. Um, so I really, I'd like to go back down to Argentina and kill a stag, for sure. I think that, let's talk about, let's talk about the, uh, the elephant in the room. What... I think a lot of folks, including some folks listening to this, think that those trips, mm. they're not cheap, okay? I'm not trying to make it like, you know, they're, that they're cheap. I, I think a lot of people think that they're more expensive than they actually are. Do you think that's a fair statement? Absolutely fair statement. And I will tell you, I just got a text. I just got an email from an Argentinian outfitter. So when we were scouting, we went to Dallas Safari Club 
when we were looking for our Argentinian hunt, we went around all the different... This may have been actually the start of Blood Origins. So it was like four or five years ago, okay? We went and visited every single Argentinian outfitter. And we spoke with them and we got the cost. So when you listen to these podcasts this week, we'll tell you the costs of airfares. We'll tell you the costs of hunts. You're going to get all of that information. Um, airfare is going to be about 1200 to 1300 bucks. Okay. It's going to, that's going to be a flight to Buenos Aires. It's going to be a flight from Buenos Aires to Santa Rosa or wherever else you're going to. It's about 1300 bucks. You've got to account for that. Now, a lot of people think like, okay, then the hunt component is actually going to be really expensive. So it's probably like 10 grand or whatnot. Well, actually it's not. Think of this. Now's the time to go to Argentina. This year, they had a great year, but they've now ready for, like, we, they want to be a fully booked 2023. And so you're going to get some good deals. And I just got sent this uh, email. It's from Catina Safaris in Argentina. Um, it's a five-day hunt. One red stag up to 271 inches. One wild boar, any size. And the original price for that was $6,700. They're offering it now at $3,899. That's a steal. Yeah, and I, I haven't seen this specific email, but I'm going to assume that that's your lodging. Yep. That's your meal. All booze. Which, your meals and booze. And uh, it's it's just, I'm not trying to like downplay the fact that these things do cost money. Um, but it is less expensive per animal than most big game hunts in the United 100%. States. And, and, 100%. And, and a lot of times, if, if you do it right, you pay a little bit of attention and you start on your flights early enough, you can even say that with your flight. You know, mm -hmm. you're talking about a $3,800 hunt for two big game species meals lodging thirteen hundred dollars for a flight you're at fifty one hundred bucks um there's there's whitetail hunts in the united states that are more expensive than that there's elk hunts that are twice that expense um mm -hmm. and just an amazing adventure too i i i know a lot of guys like a lot of really good friends of mine who who have found out that i do some international hunting and you know automatically make crap i'm not a rich guy i'm not a wealthy guy um i i save up and and like to go on adventures and uh you know i know we're, we're talking about argentina and new zealand but you divide my south africa trip by the number of species um that i was able to successfully hunt and it's getting you down to a to a you know a pig hunt per price in the United States for yeah you're talking animal. about you know five hundred to thousand dollars an animal when you get down brass tax in, in South Africa. Right. Right, exactly. Yep. As long as you balance it out, you know, I <laughs> you pop it in Yala, it drags your average up a little bit. But uh <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's really not something that most folks couldn't save up for a while different different time periods for different people some folks save up for six months some folks it might be a two-year save up um but don't uh explore the pricing 
do your research too, because just like any other business in the world, there's bums running out outfitting businesses. There, 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 there is. You know, do your research. The joy of the internet is the amount of reviews and references you can track down. But uh, don't not explore it because you think it's unattainable expense wise. Yeah, hundred percent. And here's the other thing: Argentina, not New Zealand, um, but Argentina. You could do New Zealand if you wanted to. Um, but Argentina is a hunt that you can go do when, like, you're in the doldrums of hunting. You're like, it's June. You're like, oh, man, there's nothing to hunt. Can't wait till September or July. Can't wait. Go to Argentina. Right. Everything to hunt. And it's, and it's get out of the, the heat. Go down, be in winter for a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I would just encourage guys to check it out. Open your mind, reach out to people, see what kind of deals you can get. Um, there's lots of outfitters out there, as Cody said, lots of information online. And then the other thing to do is find yourself an agent, like a booking agent, that sort of sorts everything out for you. You don't want to deal with the hassles of like airport transfers or how do I do this? Who's going to book my hotel in Buenos Aires? There's, out, there's outfitters, and when I say out, there's booking agents. I won't use outfitters. There's booking agents that have people on the ground in Argentina that will help you. So just reach out to them. Like you'll hear, Rolling Bones Outfitters this week, they are a booking agent for hunts all around the world. Reach out to them. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, that's, that's the, the, the main thing that I preach to guys is they're, it's, it's attainable. Um. And there's something about it, right? I mean, I, I don't. I suppose just like in the most primal way, there's something uh, incredible oh. about international hunting. Your dog's saying it's time to go. It's time to go. Roundup time is over. Yeah, Cody. exactly. <laughs> yeah. So this week, again, this week we're going to be on rolling. But uh, you're going to have two podcasts. Uh, one about Argentina. One about New Zealand. Uh, we've got a couple more podcasts from individuals that went to Argentina. They did it sort of a DIY. They, they got an outfitter. They bought a dove hunt at one of the shows and went down. I think the guy even calculated it all. It was like $4,120. And um, so, yeah, it's totally doable. We want you to go hunt. The whole point of the series of content, the podcast, the videos that you've seen is – we know that access is getting more and more limited. We know that tag allotments are going down. We know that preference point preference point creep is a reality in pretty much every state. So you're waiting longer and longer and longer to go hunt. We just want to give you the information to say to you, you don't have to wait that long. You don't have to wait 10 years. Go hunt somewhere else tomorrow or in two months' time or next year. Because you can pretty much go anywhere in the world and there'll be something to hunt. Yes, there's some places that there's definitely no hunting. Yes. But for the vast majority, most countries, there's something to hunt. Tons of options. And, and for me, it's, it's uh, you know, the experiencing the culture, the kind of nostalgic feeling of adventure that just being in some of those places. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, I've always kind of 
live my life, even when I was doing insanely stupid things, my mantra was it's going to make a memory. And uh, some of my best memories are from hunting trips. And some of those hunting trips are international. And uh, yeah, it's a it, it's a thing that you should explore. For sure. For sure. Well, that's all I really wanted to cover on this roundup, my man. I wanted to just set the tone for the week that's coming, the podcast week that's coming. Um, if you haven't checked it out and you're still hanging on to this podcast, we dropped two pieces of great content last week. One was a new hunter that came to the fold, Lisa Beauchard out of hunt, out of Utah, uh, who said something very profound, which was when I asked her, how does it feel to be a hunter? She said, I'm not a hunter. And so what do you mean? You went hunting. She was like, ah, yeah, you're right. I have hunted, but I am not a hunter, uh, which I thought was quite uh, insightful in terms of what she said. And then we dropped a phenomenal veterans piece that Cody was like, I had this grandeur plan of I built it. We got Jesse to build it. It looks amazing. I sent it to Cody on Thursday. Yeah. And he says, you said you gave me an expletive, expletive back, and you're like, "Ah, oh, it's Veterans Day tomorrow. Drop it tomorrow." And my OCD brain was like, "I can't." I, 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 I. That was actually what I said back to you. <laughs> I said, "I know your OCD is going to cause you to have fits, but Veterans Day is tomorrow. Just drop it." It, it's, it's, uh, and it's we dropped cool, it. It's out. It's a, yeah, it's an amazing piece too. It's, it's a cool thing. Um, it's got literally, uh my best friend of the last 25 years in it, Daryl, who you've, if you listen to the roundup regularly, you've heard Daryl on here before, but him and I went to a camp in Maine called house in the woods. Um, a military uh, retreat essentially. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, holy cow. It's an incredible thing. It's like a great big outfitting outfit that does nothing. Um, but take veterans hunting, right? Like, mm. There's a lot of great outfitters out there who give some hunts to folks, whether they're veterans or not. Get, give hunts to folks that they think it might do them some good. Um, Paul House at House in the Woods, that's all he does, right? There's mm -hmm. no commercial operation of making money there. It's just uh, helping veterans out. And uh, if you go check out the video, you'll uh, – see the uh circumstances that brought that about it's a, it's a cool it's a cool piece yeah go find the video share it share it dm it to as many people as you can the more people that we can you know show how the woods are a healing place for veterans um the the better um our society and community will be and i think daryl so, does a tremendous job of explaining that mm -hmm. right like he does it's not a overly bleeding heart explanation it's not a overly tough ass explanation he just does a great job of explaining um you know the to use his word the therapy of uh guys that have got got screwed up things going on in their lives because of their service and what uh, just being in the woods or being around like-minded people in the woods can do for them and not just guys, we, we juxtaposed Daryl with Amanda, who's a female right, veteran. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I talked to Amanda she's on, awesome. on the day. She'll be all right with the fact that I said, guys, that's a, that's a uh, tough human being. Right? <laughs> Did um, you send Amanda, her the Dropbox link? 
Amanda, I did, and and she responded positively. She is also uh, – I'm going to end up having her on a podcast too because she has decided out of nowhere to enter her apprentice year as an Alaskan big game guide um, with an outfit that barren ground caribou hunts 40 miles north of the Arctic Circle. Wow. Um, so Amanda is, is uh, not the type of – not the type of person that uh, shirks a task. I can tell you that. And uh, it was a pleasure being part of Jesse filming her and Daryl and everybody in Maine. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Cody, thank you also to you. You're a veteran. Uh, couldn't be doing what we do without you and um, having the lifestyle that we lead. So thank you for what you've done too. Yeah. Thanks for, Thanks for paying my paycheck. You may not have been paying my paycheck. You may have. When did you, what year did you come to the States? Start paying taxes. 2003. Oh no. Normally when people say, tell me something. Thank you for being a veteran. My standard response is thanks for paying my paycheck, but you weren't at the time. Cause I was out by then. So that's how old I am. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, uh, you have a good weekend. Oh, by the way, how's the tick bite? Is it all squared away? Yeah, I got two pretty solid scars. Nice. That that are never going to go away. Um, But yeah, I'm completely recovered. Doxycycline, I think, is the magic uh, tick bite fever recovery drug, and it worked very well. Absolutely. Nothing like doxy. It did well. A little bit of doxy, no sun. Yeah, it's good. Tomorrow I'm charging up into a public land elk rifle hunt. Ooh. Um, that uh, you know, so might need a little. How much snow is on the ground? Um, up there, there's about six inches. We got our first real dusting this morning. Okay. At the at the house here, um, it's all gone now in the afternoon, but uh, there's about six inches on the ground up where I'm going. I'll tell you what, this South African pocket up. Big time. Leaving Trinchera, going through the pass, ice, snow on the road, 11 degrees at the top, and then the fog rolled in. and was just rolling across the road. I was going 35, just had this vision of like, I'm just going to run into a wreck. I'm gonna, there's going to be this huge pileup. I'm not going to be able to see it. I'm not going to be able to stop. Right. And my heart, like my heart, when, when, we, when I got out of the fog, it was like... <gasps> It yeah, was that's... sketchy, dude. Like, I was like, that is not anything that I've ever driven in, ever. Well, and then you talk, when you're up on those passes, you have no options either, right? Like, no. that's the, I mean, you can be in Kansas and be on ice and snow and it's sketchy, but if you got to get off the road, you just pull, you just go through the ditch out into a wheat field in Kansas, right? Up there, if there's something in front of you, your option is to hit it, drop a thousand feet off one side or smash into a rock wall on the other side. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a time. It's a, I drive them quite a bit. Just did Wolf Creek pass two weeks ago with just snow blowing. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it, it's a, it, it's a time for concentration. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was white it was five in the morning. It was, it was, it was everything was against me so right right but we made it home we made it home in one piece and uh it's all good a little bit of meat 
Yeah, a little tiny bit of meat. Right. Talking about talking about, I have to go with the new cooler with the new freezer here. I'm going to take all the meat out of the ice cream freezer. So that's my job for today. That's your honeydew list. Honeydew list. Yep, exactly. All right, big guy. You have a great weekend. You too. Well, that's it for today. Appreciate you listening. As always, leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.